Amen. Amen. Good deal. Church, I'm excited to be here. Can we just for a minute, can we just give it up for the band that leads us in worship? Is it just not incredible? I tell you what, if you had to hear me sing every week, you would just endlessly thank God for the people that are on the stage leading us. I mean, it's just, I'm so glad I don't have to hear myself, you know, and I'm just thankful for the team that does this, the audio team. Give it up. Your audio and, and the video people in the back. Miss Karen's on that. Give it up for Miss Karen. She's got the difficult task of keeping up with me on the scriptures tonight, but she's amazing and I love her. And just in case anybody was keeping track, last two times I preached out here, the sound system went out. I'm shooting for the hat trick tonight. So just believe with me, it, just for two seconds, that's all we need. Anyways, uh, I'm excited to be out here with you guys again, and tonight what I want to talk to you about is kingdom culture, kingdom culture. You know, um, we get to Christmas season, and you know, it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but if, if you know, like you watch people, and sometimes it's the most stressful time of the year, it's the most fearful time of the year, it's the most ang anxious time of the year, where are we going to get all the money for, you know, Christmas and stuff, it's just... It's kind of a lot for people, and, um, and, and honestly, life can just be that way sometimes. And I thought, you know, there, I think it's supposed to be different for those of us that are following Jesus. And sometimes we, it seems like we can get caught in the same traps that people that don't have Jesus get caught in. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to share with you a message tonight. I think I know why this happens to us, and it's because we get stuck in one aspect of what the kingdom culture is all about, and we miss the rest of it. I, I work, obviously, with teenagers, which teenagers out here, let's give it up for the teenagers. All them beautiful little Jesus nuggets. Uh, working with teenagers, I can say that this is primarily true in their lives. And being an adult myself, I think it's actually true in my life that... Um, that I get stuck in this one aspect. And Paul talks about this. Paul, in two different places, he definitively says, the kingdom of God is like this. And Jesus has a lot to say about what the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom culture. He's got a lot. And so by no means am I trying to say that tonight's message is going to fully encapsulate what the kingdom of God is. That would not be, that would not be the case. But I do want to focus in. Paul specifically twice. The first time he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of, help me out, it's not a matter of talk, but of power, 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 there is power, Jesus has power, it is a kingdom of power, and he has given us authority, so we also carry with us the power of the kingdom, and I love that, but Paul secondly says this, that the kingdom of God is about righteousness, everybody knows that part, but we missed the next two. Joy and peace. Hey, you guys remember when Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? You remember that part? What if we really truly believed that part of seeking the kingdom was not just singing, seeking the righteousness, but also seeking the peace and the joy? That's a pursuit I can get behind. And so what I want to do is Paul, Paul says this in Romans 14, 17, that the kingdom of God is about righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and I love it, and we're going to talk about it. The first thing we're going to talk about is righteousness. We're going to look at righteousness, because I think we need to pursue these three things. We're going to seek his kingdom, so we're going to seek this. In Romans chapter 3, you've probably heard this scripture a bunch, but let's just do it. Romans chapter 3, verse 22, it says, this righteousness is given through faith 
in Christ Jesus to all who believe. First thing I want to point out to you is righteousness is something that's given to you. Now, you might be going, wait a minute. Isn't righteousness doing the right thing? Yes, it is. Just pat yourself on the back. That's true. You know what else righteousness is? It's about being in proper relationship with God. And guess what, brothers and sisters? We can't do that part. It was impossible for us to get ourselves into right relationship with God. It didn't matter how much we tried. We couldn't do it. Only Jesus can grant us that righteousness, that I can be in right standing in a proper relationship with my Father. Now, here's what I really want you to grab a hold of, because this changes the whole righteousness thing. Because, yes, righteousness does mean doing the right thing, doing justice, living according to God's standard. But it also starts at the place of being in proper relationship. That's given to us through God's grace. By faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift of his grace to be in right standing. And the right standing leads us to the right action. Let me show it to you like this. I got their permission beforehand. So, you know, it's going to be fine. David and Sharon, I need you to stand up. Okay? Paul uses as an example of this whole relationship of righteousness. He uses the example of marriage. And he writes to the Corinthian church and he says, I promised you to one husband and I have the intention of getting you to that husband as a pure virgin. In other words, the new covenant has happened. You're in a right relationship with God and with a right relationship comes a new standard of living. So David, come over here, David. David's 50 years younger, barely into his teens. Sounds Sounds about right. And David's just casually living life, showing up to church, going to the youth group, not paying attention one bit to the message being preached. But what's David doing? David is checking out the ladies. Is that a word? (laughs) And that's okay. Because that's what we want David to do when he's early teens, right? Is be checking out. One day we want David to marry himself a wife, right? While David is single, checking out the girls, Nobody's going to come up and be like, David, stop it. Quit looking at them, girl. Now, if he's being inappropriate, you know. But he's allowed to, you know, go date, do some stuff. But then Sharon shows up one day. And David goes, oh. Huh? (laughs) Cooked him a meal. It's like every Hallmark movie. I love it. Cooked him a meal, and he was smitten. So David and Sharon meet each other. You guys come along. And all of a sudden, David's smitten because she can cook. David decides to get brave, and David says, I think I want to marry this woman. So he proposes, and Sharon says, but then Sharon looks at David, and they're at church, and it's five years later, he's in his early 20s, and she sees David looking at another man. What is Sharon going to do? Oh. Another... You guys have a good night. We'll see. No, I'm kidding. Looking at another woman, and all of a sudden, what's going to happen? He's married to Sharon, but he's looking at another woman. What's Sharon going to do? She, why? Because the relationship change, the relationship change made a lifestyle change necessary. 
See, before the marriage took place, he could do whatever he wanted to as long as he wasn't sinning. But he could do it. He could look at any girl he wanted to. He could try dating a million girls if he wanted to. But the moment a covenant was established, that demanded a lifestyle change, right? This is righteousness. Jesus shows up and says, I want you to come be with me. And the moment we respond in faith to Jesus, now a lifestyle change is demanded of us because a relationship changes took place. You're tracking with me. This is the twofold thing about righteousness, is that we don't get our own righteousness. That is a gift of grace that he chose us and called us to be with him. But in the grace that calls us into the relationship, there's a grace that comes to help us live it out. You're tracking with me. And I love that. Thank you. You guys did so great. Uh, I love that Paul uses this same imagery with the church. He writes to the Corinthians. He's like, I promised you to one husband. And I intend to get you there, a pure virgin. How does that happen? Now we learn how to live in the relationship. Now i got to learn how to honor the covenant that I have because of the grace that God has shown me. You guys tracking? That's pretty simple, right? The new relationship status brings about new lifestyle behaviors. Paul talks to us a little bit about this in Ephesians. And I'm going to blow through this one because this is the one I think we all get stuck on. We, we just, we consume ourselves with doing the right things. And in doing the right things, that's all well and good. And we should do that. But man, I've seen people get so burdened by feeling like they're not meeting the standard that they forget that they're supposed to be joy and peace in the process. And I just want you to receive some joy and some peace because one thing that I'm certain of is that most of us know we're supposed to be righteous. I'm not so convinced we all know that we're supposed to have peace and joy as we do it. Come on now. Paul explains this to us a little bit. I'm going to just read it. He, he talks about it like this in Ephesians 4.17. He talks about it in lots of places, but I'm just using this one. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Right? He's talking about that old, when you were in your old status, not in right relationship with God. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new, check this out, in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness, I'm in right standing with him, which leads to true righteousness. I'm living the right way because of the relationship I have. I'm honoring the covenant. This is where judgment and accountability in the church kicks in, by the way. You know, I'm married. Would be to God that if you saw me out in public with another woman, you would come up and just smack me around a little bit and be like, what is wrong with you? You're a married man. Honor your covenant. Yet when it comes to our walk with Jesus, we don't want anyone to say anything to us. Hear me now. We're here to help one another honor the covenant. And Jesus teaches us how to do this. He says, don't have a judgmental spirit because I'm going to be real honest with you. Jesus is being real honest, not me. The moment you start pointing out the speck of dust in their eye, realize you've got a plank in your own, buddy. So the attitude with which we walk in this 
judgment, judging actions, we have to do it in humility, knowing, man, I got areas that I'm mistaken too, but our goal together is to honor the covenant. I don't want you to go out and commit adultery on Jesus. That was Paul's point to the Corinthians. I promised you to one husband, and I intend, you to get to, I intend to get you there as a pure virgin. That should be our heart for one another. We all know the covenant that we've made by the grace of God given to us. We've entered into a new status with God, and we want to hold each other up and help each other as we go down this road. Just like in my normal life, in my marriage, if you saw me cheating on my wife, you'd come beat me. Like, why wouldn't we care about each other's souls that way? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? This is, Paul talks about this stuff. So we can't be afraid of it. Uh, people don't like the word judgment. I like to call it accountability. It's okay to hold each other accountable in humility and in love and in the goal being restoration, right? But righteousness is part of the kingdom of God. I'm in right standing with God. I'm in proper relationship because of the grace given me through my faith in Jesus, and I want to live that out. Part number one. Part number two peace how many of you could use some peace in your life let me see anybody yeah a couple of you me too john 14 27 if you turn your bibles there we're going to flip our bibles a lot so you can give karen another round of applause because she'll do it for you in john 14 27 Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you'd flip in your Bible to John 16, Jesus says something very similar to this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have trouble. You're going to. But Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul wanted us to know the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that he gives us peace. Did you know that peace is a gift of God's grace to you? Let me say it to you like this. You cannot fabricate peace in your life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I send the kids over to grandma's for a day, get a hot cup of tea or coffee, sit by the fireplace, read a book. That's pretty peaceful. Yeah, you can make your surroundings peaceful, but you can't make yourself peaceful. You can't give yourself that deep soul peace that just lets you know it is well with my soul. Only Jesus can give you that peace and he gives it to us and here's the even better part he lets us know you're gonna have trouble but you're still gonna have peace in the midst of the trouble and here's some even better news your story never ends in trouble it only ever ends in triumph because of the lamb I need somebody to hear that tonight I don't know what everyone's going through, but whatever trouble you're facing, if you're in Christ Jesus, your story doesn't end in trouble. It ends in triumph because of Jesus. And you can have peace right now in the midst of the trouble. That's good, church. 
Some of us need some peace in our pursuit of righteousness because we've been battling some sin things that have been just destroying us and we feel defeated all the time. And what you need is some peace that says, hey, your salvation never depended on your effort in the first place, son. So just calm down a little bit and trust in Jesus and he's going to get you there. Because Paul said, right, it is by grace that I've been saved through faith is not of myself so that I cannot boast. My salvation never depended on my effort. It was always because of Jesus because he's the one that puts me in right relationship with God and gives me the grace to live out that relationship. Are you tracking with me? You can have peace, church. Students, you can have peace. Too many years I've watched the devil in my own life keep me defeated and condemned because of stuff I was struggling with when really I just needed to know that I was good because Jesus was going to get me somewhere. Because I was looking at him and my heart was for him. And I'm so grateful that Jesus looks at our hearts. He doesn't look at our actions. He knows what the motive is. And he sees inside and says, I know your heart's for me. And you're just caught in something and you don't know how to get out. But you just keep looking to me, son. I'm going to get you there. Church, you can have peace. Jesus wants you to have peace. I give you peace. In fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, I love this. I think it comes from John's, John's gospel. I could be wrong on that. But like three times Jesus rises and he says this three different times. He says, peace be with you. And then it's he's like just three sentences later, he's like, peace be with you. And then like a week later, he shows up again. The first thing is, peace be with you. Why? Because we need it, man. It's crazy. Life's hard. Tragedies happen. Trouble's coming our way. It's looking for us. But in the midst of all of it, Jesus is consistently speaking, peace. That sounds good to me. I want to pursue righteousness, but man, I really want to find that peace. In Romans 8, verse 6, Paul tells the Roman church, he says, the mind that's governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What, what are we talking about here? The mind, your, your mental, your intellect, your thought processes. If you allow it to be ruled by the sinful flesh, the fear, the worry, the anxiety, it's going to produce death in your life. And it's not always physical death. Sometimes you just die to life. You just shell up. And you don't do anything. But Paul wants us to know, no, if, you, if the spirit is ruling your mind, you've got life and Oh, it's so good. In Romans 15, 13, Paul said, May the God of hope, I love that, he's the God of hope. Come on, church, he's not the God of hopelessness. He's the, what's your situation right now? I don't care what it is, he's the God of hope. You've got hope in every situation. Why? Because your story can't end in trouble, it only ends in triumph. He's a good God. I'm telling you, church, he wants you to have peace. May the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you what, if you're in the midst of the darkest time of your life, Jesus wants you to overflow with hope. I don't even know what that looks like, but it sounds really good to me, and the way you're going to find it is trusting that he'll give you peace. He'll give you peace. In 1 Corinthians 7, 15, Paul says that God has called us to live in peace. What kind of culture is the kingdom of God? It's supposed to be a peaceful one. Like you should just be walking around all the time with peace. Right? In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of 
peace. And just so we're clear, these are coming from different contexts and different situations, different circumstances. And in all of them, Paul just keeps saying, he's the God of peace. He's the God of peace. No matter what the circumstance is, he's the God of peace. We need some peace. I think peace is attractive, by the way. If I see somebody, I remember being a young man. I was like in my early teens, like David when he was looking for girls at the youth group. I remember being in my early teens, and I was at church one night, and I still lived in Tennessee, and we had a massive storm coming through, like tornadoes were dropping everywhere, and I was like a young man, and I was kind of scared of tornadoes, to be really honest with you. You guys ever watch that movie, Tall Tale? No, you know what I'm talking about? Super old, came out like 30 years ago. And the guy gets sucked up into a tornado, and ever since then, I was like, I'm not getting anywhere near a tornado. And there was, like, tornado weather coming through, and I was losing my mind. Like, really, I was scared, and I was in the church building. And I remember a kid in the youth group, he just walked by and looked as cool as a cucumber. And I'm like, dude, we're all going to die, man. Like, what is up? Why are, you, why are you not worried? And he was just like, man, I'm saved. What do I got to worry about? And I was like... And little, like, 11-year-old Timmy just was blown away by that. And I thought, if I ever get to that point of faith one day, I will have arrived, you know. And I, I don't know if he wanted to die or not. I don't know. I just was like, that peace, though, I was like, I want that in my life. Have you guys ever been around somebody that you're like, there's no reason you should have peace right now, but it's just what you have? Like, you know, you're around it, and you're just like, I wish I had that. You can. Like, that's the cool thing. You can actually, ha you don't have to just marvel at them. You can actually have it too. He's not a God of disorder, but of peace. Let's go to Philippians 4. You guys okay? Are we doing good? I'm going to go a little bit over 8 if that's all right with you guys. I don't think any of you will tell me no, but I just thought I'd throw it out there just in case. Uh, and, and Philippians 4, I'm going to blame it on Randy for going so long with the offering message. But uh, in Philippians 4, Paul again, Paul, Paul's got a reason to write about peace, by the way. If you guys just ever feel, you know, adventurous, go read about all his trials. He's like, he's, he says, you guys want to talk crazy? I'll talk crazy for a minute. I mean, I don't like to brag, but I died like a bunch, been shipwrecked a bunch, been whipped, flogged, killed, beaten, stoned. They dragged me out in the middle of town, tried to hang me up for a bear to eat me. I mean, he just goes on and on. Like, if anybody can talk about how God can give peace in the midst of any circumstances, Paul is our guy. Which I think is why he talks about it so much. In fact, I just read today in Acts chapter 21 where he went to Jerusalem and a bunch of Jews thought he was telling a bunch of other Jews that they didn't have to follow the law of Moses. And they got so mad about it, they decided to just start beating him. And they literally beat him until, and the Bible says that they were going to beat him until he was dead, but a Roman guy showed up and saved him. And then Paul asked the Roman guy if he could go and address the crowd that was just beating him to death. You can't do stuff like that unless you got the peace of God. I mean, I, I'm just telling you. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice let your gentle gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Look at this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But Paul, they're about to beat me for telling people to trust in Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. I added that part. But in every situation, what's he say? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Why with thanksgiving? I, I talked about because you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he gives it anyways because he just asks. So we're just thankful. We're just thankful. We're going to thank God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me just help you for a second. You can't get the peace of God without bringing the request to him. So don't get frustrated if you ain't got no peace, but you ain't been spending any time praying. That's going to help you. You can have all the peace that God will give you if you will go ask for it. It's that simple. But look at what he says. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Here's the good news, church. There ain't no circumstance you're going through, any circumstance you'll ever face in the future, that his peace isn't greater than. That's good news. I could go for that. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Somebody's got cancer, that's all right. His peace is greater than that. You know what I love even more about is it says that his peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what God's peace is going to do? It is a protective barrier around your heart. What is that? Your emotions. I just feel something, and it's terrifying me. Yeah, but if you'll ask God, he'll give you a peace that will protect your emotions so you don't get overwhelmed by them. You get overwhelmed by peace. I'll take the peace option. But I got to ask it. It'll guard your mind, my intellect, my thoughts, my reason. The peace of God that transcends all understanding that's greater than any circumstance will come and protect my thoughts so that I don't get overwhelmed by them. The only thing I can get overwhelmed by when I seek the Lord and ask of him is peace. Isn't that good news? It's the kingdom of righteousness, of peace, and the last one, joy. I want to see a revival of joy. I just want to be honest with you. I just really feel like in my own life, I have missed this part of my walk with God. That if the kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy, that I've missed the joy part. And I think it's because I focus so much on the righteousness part. That I also miss some of the peace. I mean, I've had a little more peace than I've had joy. But I want some joy. How many of you want some joy? I got good news for you about joy. It also is a gift of God. It's a gift of his grace. Jesus gives us joy. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. He gives it to you. But there's a, there's a way to find joy, and I want to show it to you, and I want to be very careful here because you're going to hear what Jesus says, and you're going to be tempted to think, well, that sounds like i got to work for it. But it really ain't work. It's a response. Now, okay, John 15. Go to John 15. I just feel good about tonight. I don't know what to tell you. I just, I'm excited to think about the fact that God wants me to just really be confident that I am righteous because of my faith in Jesus and not because of my own efforts because Lord knows I would not be considered righteous by my own efforts. But I'm thankful that there's a new covenant relationship that's been established for me by his grace through my faith in his son. I'm so grateful that he desires for me to have peace and that he's very generous with it. And I'm so grateful that Jesus wants to give us joy. In John 15, starting in verse 5, this is what we read. Jesus is talking. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's keep going. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus wants us to remain in his love. He says in verse 10, if you keep my commands, let's track with him. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. How do we remain in his love? 
I think somebody earlier talked about obedience. Did he not? Did he not? He did. Amen. That was a witness. Hallelujah. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Now, doesn't that sound like work, so? Hmm, we got to just, we got to keep that. Don't cut Jesus off. Keep reading. As I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, I have told you this. All right, Jesus, why have you told us this? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that this, and that your joy may be complete. That word complete means to be full, not lacking anything. Like it's just the fullest measure. Just joy to the fullest that it could ever be. That sounds really cool. Like that belly laugh that you get when stuff's not even funny. And you just laugh and you don't know why you're laughing and you cry and you're laughing so hard you can't breathe and you don't want them to, you know what I'm talking about? Church, you shouldn't let your kids go on mission trips with me. Here's why. We're coming back from West Virginia one time. Not West Virginia, South Carolina. We went to Greenville, South Carolina. And we had to drive through the mountains. And we were driving back home and it was like, I don't know, two in the morning. And we're driving through the section of the mountains, and the road was like down to one lane. They had concrete barriers, and then it's just straight cliff, you know, like you're going to die if you go off the cliff. And it's late, and then it starts pouring down rain, and the kids in the back are cracking these jokes. And you know how you just get that funny strike, you know, and you just can't stop. I'm literally like trying to hold my eyeballs open like this. I can't pull off because there's nowhere to pull off. There's barricades on both sides. I'm begging the kids to just... I literally was like, shut up, and they wouldn't, and I'm laughing so hard, and I had to have the guy sitting next to me hold the steering wheel because I couldn't see. It was so bad, but God was faithful, and he got us home, and none of you knew about it until just now, but that really happened. Joy, man, I'm telling you, joy, that's what Jesus wants to do for us. We have a real low turnout for the missions trip. This was, that only ever happened one time. God is so good. Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And you're like, okay, so he wants me to have complete joy and the way I'm going to find it by remaining in his love and I remain in his love by keeping his commands. And we start to think that sounds really burdensome because there's a lot of commands, but Jesus isn't done yet. And he says, uh, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And just in case you think there's more to it, uh, down in verse 17, Jesus clarifies it again. And he says, you want joy? That's how you find it. That ain't that hard, people. I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Jesus is like, hey, boys, you want to have some joy, you got you to gotta do what I command you to. Okay, Jesus, that's a long list. I read one time there's like 613 of these puppies in here. Jesus is like, no, boy, my command is this, love, love each other. That's it? Do I, did I stutter? I'll say it again just in case you didn't get it the first time. This is my command, love each other. Your joy is connected to your obedience. It's a gift of his grace, and it's still grace because he's the one that enables us to do it. Why? Because John, in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you know, the, the love letters, he says this, we love because he first loved us. It's a response. I'm able to love you really well because I've received deeply of the love of my Savior. That's the only way I can love you. 
you are a rough bunch of people, and I'm a rough person. And if you spend enough time around me without Jesus overflowing love in you, you would not want to be around me either. We, we respond to each other in love because we drink deeply of the well of love that our Savior has for us. Joy is not that hard to find. Jesus said, I told you this because I want you to have my joy. That same joy that Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame. There, Jesus had a joy going to the cross. That's a joy that trumps every circumstance. Real quick, I'm getting ready to close. I hope this has been helping you. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again because he didn't want anyone else finding it. And then he went in his joy and sold all he had and went and bought that field. The kingdom is such a joyful thing that when this man found something, he went and sold. He, get, he was willing to surrender everything else he had to find the joy that he found in that treasure. You tracking there? It, the joy that Jesus wants us to have is worth giving up everything for. That's good news. You know, peace, it, it, it can help us no matter what we're going through. We can have peace because we know that our story doesn't end in trouble. It ends in triumph. But joy is a sustaining grace from God in the midst of trial and suffering. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 4, we read about the Macedonian church who in the midst of, the Bible's words, a very severe trial and extreme poverty. Because it, can we throw that up there, Karen? 2 Corinthians 8. I just got to show you this because joy is a sustainer, man. It's going to help you. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God gave it to them, that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Next verse. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently, just, this is amazing, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. These people are so overwhelmed with joy in the Lord that in the midst of a severe trial and extreme poverty, they gave financially far well and above their own means. Only the joy of the Lord is going to, ain't no broke man ever walked up to you and been like, I'm just so happy to give you my money, man. I just, here you go. But Jesus did something so radical in this church that in the midst of a severe trial and extreme poverty, they said, we can't help but give. Like, what kind of joy did they have? 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 7. This is, this is it right here. You guys good? This is the last one. 1 Thessalonians. Pastor Randy told me to go as long as I wanted to, so. Is that the right verse? I don't know if that's the right verse. Should I put the, yeah, 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 yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 4. Listen to what Paul says to this church. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you. Uh, right? That's that new covenant relationship that we have. He was chosen. Uh, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Check this out, verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the 
joy given by the Holy Spirit. And look at what he said. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia. In the midst of a severe trial, you had the joy overwhelming and because of that you became a model church the model set for us is joy no matter what the circumstance is why because it's the kingdom culture kingdom's not just about righteousness it is about righteousness but it's not just about there's supposed to be joy and peace in the pursuit brings us all the way back to matthew 6 33 but seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness. What if we took seriously all of the kingdom and not just a part of it? Church, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that Jesus really, really, really wants you to have peace. No matter what you're going through. Jesus really, really wants you to have joy. No matter what you're going through. Jesus really, really wants you to be confident of the relationship that you have with your heavenly father because of what he did, not because of what you're trying to do. And as we just receive that joy, and we receive that peace, and we just walk with him, we're going to become more and more like Jesus. Because guess what? Even that is the gift of God's grace in us. He's the one that does the sanctifying work. He's the one that takes us from glory to glory. He's the one that keeps just bringing more of Jesus out of us, all of his grace. What I want to do is I want to pray over any of you tonight that would say, it's almost 8.15, this is great. I want to pray over any of you that's like, I really, 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 really need some peace in my life. And you said that God wants to give me peace, and you said the way he wants to give it is if we come and get prayer. If we ask for it, he's going to give us. I, I believe that he'll do it because that's what he said he would do. And so we want to pray for you. If you need some peace, we want to pray for you. And if you need some joy, like if following Jesus has been a heavy burden for you, I've got great news for you. Jesus said it's actually a very light burden. And it's an easy yoke. And so if it's felt heavy, it's probably because you're carrying the wrong yoke. And so I want to pray for you to have some joy. So they're going to play the song, a song. They got the whole band out here, praise God. We're going to have church again. I just want to pray over you. If you're here tonight and you're like, I really desperately, I need some peace because I'm going through some stuff and I need some peace. Pastor Nicole and Pastor Randy are down here too. They can also pray for people. The prayer team might even be in here somewhere. They can pray for people. We'll just pray for everybody. It'll be great. But if you need peace, I mean, like, you're just in a season where you haven't had any, and it's been heavy, Jesus wants that for you tonight. Don't go home without it. If you're watching via live stream, like, we're here for you as well. If that's you, respond. Send us a message. Let us know that you need some peace. We want to pray with you. If you need some joy, I want to pray with you to get some joy. But I want to lay hands on you. There's something powerful about connecting with I don't know what it is. It's just something. God does something. I don't know. He says we got to hold each other up. Lean on each other. Bear one another's burdens. So we're going we're gonna to bear one another's burdens. But if you need prayer for peace or joy, because I'm sure all of you have got righteousness down pat. If you need peace or joy, come on down right now, and we're going to pray with you guys. And if not, we'll go home early.